our, our vision of God will ultimately determine what we believe he can do. Uh, let me rephrase that for you. Our vision of God can hinder us from believing what, what God can do. Because sometimes we have a, a very narrow view of, of who he is. I don't know if that's ultimately from the world society that, that we live in because ultimately things have changed drastically over the few years that, that I've been alive. But things happen to, to us that all of a sudden maybe God doesn't do something the way we want him to do it and all of a sudden that changes our total perspective of who he is and, and thus we hinder him from what he would like to do. I find it interesting that in Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 1 to 6, you don't need to turn there, but in Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, 1 to 6, Jesus goes back to his hometown of Nazareth. And it's because of their unbelief that Jesus can't do anything great in that city. So our vision of God does affect what we determine what he can do. The other thing I've been made aware of, too, is that everything has a beginning. All of creation began as God breathed it into being. The universe as we know it had its beginning. Life had, had its beginning as God breathed life into man and woman. Populations had their beginning as family was developed in what we see in Genesis chapter 2. Nations had a beginning. The church had a beginning. Individuals, family, nation of Israel, and even the church. Not only do we, did they have their beginnings described in the Word of God, but those four entities have something in common. They were developed, they were instituted, if you will, for the purpose of making disciples. Dads and moms were supposed to disciple their children that they would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Families were made, according to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, families are a microcosm of the reflection of Jesus and his church. Families are supposed to be a witness to other families around them in hopes of making disciples. The nation of Israel, they were to be the light, if you will, of the world. They were commissioned by God 
though they were the smallest among all the nations, but God wanted to use them in order that they might be disciple-makers of the known world. The church is commissioned by God in Matthew 28 that we are to go and make disciples. Each one of those entities that had a beginning have a mission, and that is to make a disciple. Visions, if you will, also have beginnings. Usually visions are drawn from or developed from a perceived need. Hospitals, with someone's vision, in order to provide needed care for those who were injured and wounded. The Red Cross was one woman's vision in order to bring comfort to wounded soldiers on the battlefield. Other institutions were developed from a need perceived in order, and then it became a vision. Operation Christmas Child began its roots in the heart of Franklin Graham, for he recognized a need that children all over the world needed to have someone, something in their hand to prove that they're loved. And that need became a vision that we, even ourselves, have become active in. The vision that I want to share with you this morning also had its roots in a need. In July of 2015, a need was recognized by at that time, the leadership team of Grace Community Church. And we began to investigate how that need could be met. We recognized that the great part of that need was to have extra room, not only just in our sanctuary, but even the addition of Sunday school classes, and in other storage area. So from that July meeting in 2015, individuals were commissioned to contact an architect, share with him some perceived needs that we felt to have here at Grace Community Church. I don't know how many months it was, but it wasn't the next week we got a drawing, but we had a meeting with that architect, and he told us that what we thought we needed, we couldn't have. Whether building codes, whether other things that prevented, and we recognized that that wasn't a possibility. But even at that time, the board was not convinced. We weren't unified. 
we wanted to, again, investigate other options. We contracted or contacted another builder. This one was more of a commercial builder who we thought would line up exactly with what we want. And again, we opposed, we posed to that individual company some of our needs. And he came back with the, the same indication that the previous architect did, that that which we thought we needed, we can't have. We thought we could double the size of this sanctuary, take it all the way back to the top first tier of parking, double the size of our seating capacity. With that, to incorporate new offices and a new entrance so that people would know that and we would be able to see who was coming and who was going. But all of that fell by the wayside because he came back with the same notion that what you want, you can't have. It was impossible. We talked about the idea of even raising the roof with the idea of maybe putting a balcony on. Contractor said, can't be done. Can't be done. During that two-year period of journey, though, the Lord was working behind the scenes that we weren't aware of. We were praying as a board, engaging ourselves, and every time we met, we asked the Lord for direction. There was one meeting where we went around the room and began to share some of our hearts into what God may or may not be leading us to do. In the September meeting, when we finally got the information from the commercial builder. It was like a someone threw a light switch on. Where at that moment and in that time, the whole leadership team said, ah, now we see. What God was doing behind the scenes and not us knowing it right away was introducing us to a opportunity as it was presented to you as a congregation just most recently in our uh, September meeting as God is opening the possibility of a door to purchase land. In fact, it's 27.8 acres. The land, as you all know, that we're at that meeting is situated right next to the old elementary school over in Dalmatia. 
It doesn't look like much now because it's covered with corn. But we, we meeting the leadership team, earlier this year, walked that land. And still didn't come away, even from that meeting, with a solidified unity. We wondered if there was other land that could have been somewhere else. But yet what kept coming back was the fact that this particular land has public water and public sewage, which is vital to any building situation. Again, we began to pray. And so this morning I want to walk through when we compare a need to a vision. A vision is God's direction from a need. There were times when I thought I needed a 1968 Corvette, but that wasn't God's vision because I still don't have one. But a vision is God moving in the midst of a need in order that he gets the honor and the glory. So when we talk about a need, we're assessing our actions. The first is this. At present, the leadership, the leadership team of Grace Community Church is pursuing the purchase of 27.0 acres of land. Yes, there are monies needed to be allocated for such a need. We could go to the bank and acquire a loan to secure the funds needed to complete the purchase. And then if we do that, then it almost seems like we get the credit for what we can do, but the bank gets interest. But in a vision, God gets the glory. And the same, there is this need. At present, the leadership team, Grace Community Church, is pursuing the purchase 27.8 acres of land. It may be a better plan to keep our present budget secure without severely draining our funds. We think about going to the Lord and asking Him what, what He would have us to do. And in this, the Lord gets the glory for providing the necessary funds. So how does a need become a God-directed vision? Now take your Bibles and turn to the book of Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah chapter 1. It may be a book that you might have to dust off when you get there. If you forget where Nehemiah is, 
Find the book of Psalms and go left. Nehemiah. In the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, came to pass in the month of Shivet, Shiv, excuse me, Shivlev, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah. And I asked him concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. How a need becomes a God-directed vision always begins with prayer. And from verse 5 down to verse 11, Nehemiah highlights a vision about God and he asks a request for opportunity. In this wonderful prayer, he develops not only for the nation of Israel and the need that they have, but a brand new understanding of who God is. Remember, our vision of God will determine what we believe he can do. And Nehemiah's vision of God was first that he was a sin-forgiving God. For he asked for forgiveness for the sins of the nation of Israel as they walked away from God. But then Nehemiah also recognized that that God was a supplying God. For he asked God a request. He said, give me an opportunity to speak to this man. In reference to the Persian king who was in charge at that time. Nehemiah knew that he needed to speak to him. So we come to find out that prayer is crucial for vision because when we only see what we're looking for, we often miss what we don't expect to see. You know the, the rest of this particular account that God used a godless king to provide everything that was needed for the completion of the rebuilding of the walls. 
Nehemiah asked for an opportunity. God provided a miracle. We know that this king, this Persian king, gave Nehemiah letters. Letters to his axemen that they would cut down and provide the beams that were needed for the rebuilding of the wall and for the gates. Nehemiah was given letters of passage throughout all of the kingdom that no one would argue with the fact that Nehemiah wasn't where he was supposed to be. Nehemiah asked for an opportunity and he got a miracle. The other thing is this, is that in many cases, we are the very answer to our prayers. This is what asking for opportunities is all about. With, with that in mind, I want to walk through six things that prayer will do as we follow a vision of God. The first thing is that prayer keeps us looking unto God for direction and intervention. God, you lead. You direct. However you would see fit. Prayer also keeps the the burden fresh. It's always before us and in an expectation of asking for opportunities in prayer. We see God move in dynamic ways. Prayer keeps our eyes and hearts in an expectant mode. Nehemiah expected God to give him the opportunity. He didn't know exactly what God was going to do. He just asked for an opportunity. And he expected God to do that. But prayer also sensitizes us to subtle changes in the landscape of our circumstances. When God begins to move, we're more apt to recognize it. And Prayer almost ensures we won't miss opportunities that God brings our way. But finally, prayer takes us well beyond human possibilities. So, what are we saying? We're saying this. In order for a perceived need to become a God-ordained vision, we first pray for God-ordained opportunities and then plan for God-ordained action. I guarantee you, as a congregation, the leadership team has been involved in Asking God for direction. 
Nehemiah, what did I do? I lost some. I'm sorry. You can come back here. Nehemiah knew of God's plan for his people. He knew of God's placement for his life. And he knew what it would take for God's purpose to be completed. So that brings us to this plan. Instead of going to the bank, why don't we trust God? And how do we do this? Here's a plan. Maybe God would have one person who would be willing to write us a check for $220,000. That's what we need for this land. What even makes this even more interesting is that the seller of this land wants his money the beginning of January. To us, that looks like a huge impossibility. But not to God. Literally, this vision that just to purchase the land is just the beginning. And it's broken down there for you. Maybe there would be two people who would trust God to give $110,000. Two people, maybe, who would trust God to give 50000 And it's broken down as we go through this. It ends with a quote from a very familiar hymn. Ponder anew what the Almighty can do. This is just the foundation. This is just the beginning. What makes this particular vision so interesting is this. Because none of us on the board have $220,000. I don't know if maybe some of you have it. I don't know. But God does. One of the neatest things to see God move in the hearts of people is that now all of a sudden this becomes theirs too. And that's the dynamic I wish to present to you this morning. Ponder anew what the Almighty can do. I guarantee you this land purchase is not about me. It's not about the board. It's not about any of you. It's about God. And what is he doing? Why did all of a sudden this opportunity 
come to the board's attention. When we tried our best to see if we could stay here. And yet, even as we were pondering this, God has been working behind the scenes. Because as it was conveyed at the last business meeting, there are interest in another entity in this building. I don't know what God's up to, how it's all going to come about. what a dynamic it would be to be able to hand to this individual a check and then be able to remind him to ponder anew what the Almighty can do. You ask the Lord. What part would he have you to play in this vision? just to present that to you today. I've asked God to give me the opportunity and so this morning throughout this week just ask what it is that God would have you to do. Let's pray together. Father, This vision is all about you. It was never intended for any one of us on the leadership team of Grace Community Church to, to set as a legacy. Legacies have a way of dying as the individuals pass on. But visions from you never die. Lord, may you direct each one of us as we come before you, Lord. What, what is it that you would have us to do? What opportunity do you want from me, Lord, to be a part of this vision? Lead us, Father. Direct us. And may the reality be that we as a church could be a dynamic witness to the individual who holds the deed to this land as we could share with him how it was that God provided. And I pray, Father, that your will will be done. And I thank you and praise you in the matchless name of Christ our Savior. Amen.